Let's pray. We are settled now by your spirit, God. And we declare in our lives that you do all things well. There are some things settled and there are some things that are yet to be seen. Uh, but the act of faith, the gift of faith for us gathered as believers today is that we say that all is well because we know who you are. And so in this moment, I'm aware that our brothers and sisters here, some might be feeling various places of anxiety or stress. And so I'm asking that you would come around us and underneath us, and that you would remind us of your presence in this time together. We do trust in you. So Holy Spirit, would you speak through your word as you always do? Your children are here listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Christianity is a life of practice. This is a theme that I keep coming back to again and again because this is the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Christ, is that we come back, we return again and again to practicing what it looks like to follow after this God. One author uses a really helpful analogy. He says, if you at the start of this new year have it on your goals list, like so many do, nearly 80% of the country, that you want to get healthier in your body, that you want to have longer endurance, that you want to have more muscle, that you want to have greater flexibility, that you, if you went and you signed up at a gym, you registered, you filled everything out, and they invited you into an auditorium, and you sat down, and they demonstrated everything for you. They showed you what it looked like to get the best cardio workout, the HIIT training you needed. They showed you what it looked like to lift the weights and have the proper posture. They showed you what it looked like to stretch and get the full range of motion. That if you came back week after week and sat down in that auditorium and watched them teach you how to do it, would you see any change in your body? We wouldn't, right? We wouldn't see any change until you're actually invited to the workout floor and actually start to lift those weights and actually stretch your muscles out and actually start to move in some fashion playing or doing some kind of movement. You wouldn't notice any difference or change. And yet some of us, our entire spiritual life is structured around coming, listening to someone talk about what it looks like to follow Christ and then never going out and putting it into practice, right? The part of the, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the places in our lives where it's the practice of our faith, the places in our lives that are sometimes a bit more messy, are the places where we actually grow, are the places where the God that we serve is actually transforming us to be people after his own heart. And so what we're looking at with this deep calling, returning together to what it looks like to practice our faith, that it's not just about what I believe here, but it's about what I 
practice that is not just about my head, but it's about my heart and about my hands as well. The question for you and for me at the start of 2024 is who are you becoming? Who am I becoming? Because there have been years in the making to come to this very point. And the most important work God is doing is the work inside your heart and mine. Are we, are you, making space for the transforming work of God in your life? It's not just about knowing what Elder Tom shared, like that prayer is connection with God and that you get to know who God is through reading the word, but actually making space for us to put it into practice. That these practices we're describing open up space within our lives for connecting with the Almighty God. I often feel like when I come to the Word, when I come to time with prayer with God, I don't know what God is going to do. Do you have that sense? You show up and you are there in that open space. You don't know what God will do, but God is doing something. Even when you can't name or know or control what is happening. I've run across so many helpful names for these practices, these habits, these different invitations or disciplines, but I use the word call because it's something that starts outside of myself and outside of you that God is calling, that we are simply responding to the grace of God in our lives. So when you do your devotions or when you take your devotional time, because some of you use that language, I'm going to go do my devotions, you're talking about making space for something that you're only responding to because God is the one who gave you that desire to respond. So a call of God acknowledges that the grace of God went before you and the grace of God's coming after you. And even when you can't see what God is doing in your life, even when you can't see the transforming power of God, God is at work. God is doing something in you. God is shaping your life and mine. As we plug into certain things and unplug from other things, these habits are not the grace of God itself, but they are ways of connecting to God's grace. So many of you have said, pray for me this year, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to be able to study the scripture consistently. I want to be able to pray more. I want to intercede for others. Someone even just said it yesterday. I'm not much of an intercessor, but I want to be. That, those desires and longings only come from God, right? Those desires and longings. As we do these things, these are not the grace of God itself. These are not ways of earning favor or earning pleasure with God, but what brings God's grace into our lives. It's a gift to get to intercede for someone and then to watch God work in their life, right? So as we come to this new year, as we come to this season, our role is to show up and to surrender to what God is doing. I want to remind you that that's your job description. The best thing that you can ever pray is, God, I surrender. We hear it in the scriptures so many times when they're casting all of their hope, all of their trust on Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To call out have mercy was just, I'm at your disposal. I'm at your mercy. I don't have anything other than you. And so we show up in surrender. That this year, this is your job description. Show up and just surrender to what God is doing in you. And I will tell you right now, it's going to be beyond what you under understand and know. 
It's going to be, on, be beyond what I understand and know that God is doing. But nothing is more important than this posture of humility before God saying, I trust you. What you're doing in me is something that I can trust. So much of life will try to distract you from making this space for me, from making this space for God to work. Noticing what God is doing and saying, I want to be a disciple and I want to join you in the work that you're doing in this world. You read the quote, perhaps, if you got our newsletter. James K.A. Smith says this, You can't think your way into new habits. New habits can only emerge as you practice them. That, that these things that we do, these routines of transformation, these ways of making space for God, open up ways that God can connect with us. So we're going to look at these different calls, these invitations of God, and today the call to devotion. I love uh, the verse that Zara read because it's a verse that, that describes devotion so well. It's one of the parables of Jesus. We're going to go there in just a moment. Devotion is about recognizing the incredible love of God and as a result, reorienting our life towards it because it's so beautiful and so amazing. As Jesus taught in stories, these parables, he helped us to be able to understand what God was like. And he said in Matthew 13, 44 and 46, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then his joy, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. And then the second story that Jesus told, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is what the call to devotion is all about. That I see in you something so beautiful, something so moving. This is what we see in our God. That it's worth selling everything to have. That, that it's not about acquiring something and having something again for ourselves, but recognizing in God that nothing else is worth more than our God. And it shifts and reorients our priorities. So the call to devotion is a response to this love of God, this God who is worth so much, this treasure that you sell everything that you have and then with joy go get, and the pearl of great value that you sell everything to get. Jesus gives us a beautiful example of this because he gave everything for you and for me, a beautiful picture of devotion and love and sacrifice. What we have is this beautiful gift that God is saying, I love you. I've given everything for you. Jesus said, I, I have given everything for you. And so your life then is response to this devotion of Jesus. My life is characterized by this love of God. We grow up into Christ. We grow up into this deeper understanding of God as we behold this love. So this love of Jesus, this love that says, God, I've said this many, many times in these first few weeks of the year. I want you more than I want anything else. I want you more than anything else. This year, more than any of the other things on your list, I want you above it all. Our life and our priorities are shifted. Our, our time in the word and in celebration, it all comes because we have seen something so beautiful, something so moving 
that it becomes the focus of our lives. Oh, sure, I'll sell everything I have to go get this because it's so beautiful. I don't want anything else. I love because God first loved. Jesus came and said, you're worth so much that I will give everything for you. And then we respond in saying, and you are so beautiful. You're so amazing, God. And so I want to give everything in response to you. These verses also talk about the cost of discipleship because in gaining that one thing, we often give up our entire life. We lay down everything else. When we catch a glimpse of this treasure, this pearl, everything else we have becomes something that we're willing to let go of in order to gain what is more valuable, what we see is worth more. It's not about seeing this thing and just needing to have it, but saying, I want you more than anything else. So I wonder today, what is your treasure? If you were to really look at what is your treasure, in the words of one commentator, what is the pearl of great price that drains your bank account with delight? The thing that you would just, for some of you, the, the golf course or a certain store, or certain other game, what drains your bank account with delight where you would hardly even feel it? I would give anything to do that or to see that or to fill in the blank. What would you give to make 2024 the year in which you poured out your devotion to your Savior? What would I give of my time or my comfort? What would I give of myself? Because it's so often easier to hold on, but to let go is the invitation. Scholars have also noted that in rabbinic literature of the time, wisdom gained through the study of the Torah was referred to as a pearl. So when the person said they were going after the pearl, it was an understanding of God. It was wisdom. There was something that we gain when we go deeper. In the words of Psalm 84, it says, in your presence, I find my home. In your presence, I find my home. As we experience this love, we pray that this year together we will respond to this love to those around us too. That we would see hungry people fed and land restored and racial divisions healed and that we would see pain in each other's lives where we would come alongside and support and love. I saw a beautiful outpouring of that love yesterday at the funeral and memorial service. That so many times the way that we experience God's love is people coming alongside the celebrations of birthdays and special times with each other. When we find ourselves ready to relinquish whatever holds us back from participating in the movement of God, we find church. We find the body of Christ. I read a story a couple weeks ago that I love. This uh, author was telling about a seminary that took time to rest and reflect. They had all the students and the the staff, the faculty, come aside and they would take time to reflect at the start of the year. And the president was just remiss because they got there, they started, and he realized that he did not reschedule the soccer games that the seminary allowed the community to use their grounds for kids' soccer. And so there were hundreds of squealing loud voices on the campus. And so in the seminary chapel, as they were all gathered, he stood up and he said, you know, I'm sorry today. And you could hear, ah, yeah, 
love the loud sound, any of one of you that are parents and have been to those games. We're just about to start our basketball league with 300 kids, y'all. It's really awesome. And the sound on those, uh, those courts with tryouts even was just, you know, that din of kid noise, that loud sound. So the president stands up and he said, you know, I uh, apologize for the sound. I hope that we can find some quiet in the midst of it. And the guest retreat leader stood up and he said, if you cannot find God in this space, I will not have done my job. He said this, and I want to read it to you. He said, our childlike joy lens is being filled with wonder, innocence, curiosity, and delight in living. We are invited to pay attention to the ways that our lives are recalibrated and grounded in the values that allow us to be present. It keeps us from being crusty, deadened, hard, and uncaring. This childlike joy is vital because what we focus, when we focus on it and nourish that quality in ourselves, sure enough, joy begins spilling into the world around us. Oh, we are so sorry. You can't experience this like we thought. But maybe you experienced more than what we knew you needed. Maybe, just maybe, what you need is to recapture devotion. Not from a place of doing my devotions or duty or, yes, there are days. Not every day feels like the wild-like wonder of your honeymoon. You have to fall into a rhythm of love and a steady pacing of relationship, right? We all have those moments. But maybe there's an invitation to see the devotion of God to see God's love for you, that God poured everything out for you, and then you like the person going and finding the treasure in the field, or you like the person seeing the pearl of great price, would have the childlike wonder to say, yes, and this is worth selling everything for. Like a couple hundred kids on a soccer, a makeshift soccer field at a seminary that we would be able to recapture the joy and the delight. So the question at the start of this year, who are you becoming? And who is God inviting you to become? Who am I becoming? And how can I be aware, how can you be aware of what God is doing in this space right now? In your bulletins, there is a, a, an invitation. It has some bamboo on it, you'll see an invitation there. And I invite you to just take a few moments sometime today to reflect on this passage, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. And if you don't have one there or if you only picked up one bulletin for your family, you can pick up one in the Welcome Center. But I wonder if you were to say, I want to give up everything for this. I want to just be from this coming from this place of childlike wonder and devotion, what would that look like for you this year? What is God saying to you from this passage of scripture? And I wonder for us as a church, what would we sell all in joy in order to possess? It's certainly not buildings or projects or, or all of these things that sometimes we do celebrate and we need to, though I love all of those. Jesus is the focus of all that we do here. Jesus is the pearl of great price, the one who loved us so fully and completely, the one who captivates all of our attention. 
I know we get pulled in so many directions. Yet in this space, we are invited to consider at the start of this year the devotion of God to us and what our response to God is. Even as we make space for the work God is doing, we remember that this work is about what God is doing and not our own efforts. This picture that you saw just a moment ago, I think, uh, we'll go back to it for a moment. I love coming back to this place, um, this memory of walking around different temples and getting to see different bamboo gardens and seeing all the different types and varieties because my dad, my husband, and my brother and I spent nearly a month in China. And we zigzagged across the country and got to see all these different places. And I started reading about all the different types of bamboo that we were seeing. And one struck me so deeply that I continued to return to it as an enduring metaphor for my spiritual life because God spoke to me so clearly through it. It's that they can bury and plant this bamboo and it does not show any evidences of growth for four years. I am not that kind of person that would just expect that something would continue to grow, but one year, two years, three years, four years, seeing nothing, no sprout, no evidence, and then in the fifth year, it can grow between 37 and 39 feet. Underneath the surface, there's something happening, though it is imperceptible to the person who planted it. God said, I'm at work, you won't always see what I'm doing. I'm at work in you, you don't always perceive that roots are going deeper. Right now, you've been prepared by God exactly for what you're gonna face this year. You might not understand, but underneath you've been growing deep roots. Underneath through trials and challenges and leaning into trust and feeling like you have it imperfect and feeling the mess of what life is, you have been growing deep roots. And then for some of you, we're going to see the 37 to 39 feet of growth this year. We're going to see like, whoa, where did that come from? For some of you, you're going to be waiting in the process of, in some areas of your life, waiting to see, is anything happening? The slow work of God. But God returned my mind and heart to this saying, you can trust me. There's something always happening. You can trust me. So I wonder for you, as you begin this year, what does this invitation to devotion look like in your life? What does this look like to respond to the wild and amazing and give it all kind of love of God for you. We invite you to reflect on that sometime today in these Sabbath hours to allow God to say what God is inviting you to during this time. We're going to remember together as our praise team leads us who God says we are because this, this is how God sees us and this is what led him to the devotion that he had in giving himself completely for us. So please stand with us and sing together this final song as we praise our God. <laughs> 